Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Breaking the Law by Pastor Sean Wood. I'm just going to ask the Lord that he'd open our hearts this morning, a very important chapter, Romans chapter 7. Father, I pray that as we come to this chapter this morning, that our hearts would be exposed and that our eyes would be open. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to put your finger on our hearts and that this word would find good soil in our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to talk about something that I used to be pretty good at, breaking the law. If only you knew. <laughs> if, I, if only you knew the fullness. Only eternity will, will reveal uh, <laughs> some of those things. But we've all got... We've all got those things that we like to learn. But I don't want to talk about breaking the, the civil law this morning. I want to talk about what Romans 7 is going to highlight. Romans 7 is, for some people, a confusing chapter. Uh, it's uh, Paul, uh, people have tried to work out what Paul's trying to say, and he, he uses language like, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I don't want to do, I do. Anybody feel like that, by the way? Yeah. I, I think Paul just summed up the Christian walk. Thank you, Paul. We're going to have a look at what Paul meant by that. We're going to work our way through the entire chapter this morning. It's going to take us long, but I remember uh, Ravi Zacharias was asked to speak in the city, and he tells the testimony. He's uh, driving along uh, with the driver. The driver says, I'm going to take a detour, Ravi. I want to show you this building. And uh, as they're working their way along, he goes, he pulls up outside this building, and he says, this building was uh, dedicated to, uh, to honour relativism. And Ravi said, what are you talking about? He said, the architect wanted to, to not only build a building, but have a masterpiece that, uh, that, that spoke about relativism. There's, he, said, he, he said, there's pillars in this building that don't hold anything up. He said, there's staircases that lead nowhere. Sounds like 2020, right? He says, there's doors you open, he says, and they don't go anywhere. He says... It's just like the whole thing's been dedicated to relativism. And Ravi Zacharias says, well, that's wonderful. He said, but did he do that with the foundations? You see, relativism basically is what is good for me. And if you listen to the culture today, it's, well, love is love. And how you define love is love for me. Or, or we define life. How I define life is how I, we, we define it and we introduce it whenever we want. And, and God is, even in some programs now, God has become whatever you want him to be. There's a culture that says, if that's sin for you, then... You rock your boat, but that's not for me. And, and relativism has, has kind of began to creep into the church. Sounds a little bit like this. Sounds a, bit, a little bit like, well, that might be the way you interpret the Bible. Well, there's only one way to interpret the Bible. There's many ways you can apply the Bible, but you can only interpret it one way. Every single scripture only has one interpretation. You, you can apply it differently to your life. But you can't interpret it. Well, that might be your opinion, and that might be the opinion of that person. But God is to me, no, 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 you can't, you can't end that sentence. God can only be who he has revealed himself to be, both in the written word and in the person of Jesus Christ. And there are many people in church pews that are just like that building. They're, they've walked up 
staircases that go nowhere. We're opening doors that just seem empty and we, we keep batting our heads against brick walls and wondering, what is this Christian life all about? I can see more of my failings than I can of my successes. Everything I want to do, I can't do. The secret is, as we're going to see when we get to the end, I'm going to give you a snapshot, we all need to lose our ability. You can't have Romans chapter 8. Very, very important. If you want to know how to live a victorious Christian life, you have to turn up for the whole of Romans chapter 8. Can't miss one of them. It's, it's, it's one of the most pivotal chapters in Scripture. But you will stay in Romans chapter 7 until you fully understand what Paul wants to introduce, which is all about the law. What's, what's going on here with the law? How does it apply to us? Surely it doesn't apply to us today. Well, we're going to see that it probably does. You see, Paul, Romans chapter 7, verse 1, he says, Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law. Paul is not just speaking to Jewish Christians. Everybody would have known the law. You don't have just Jewish Christians in Rome. He's now speaking to those people who are believers. That the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. The first thing we need to understand about the law as we work our way through this passage is we have died to the law and Paul wants to highlight what that looks like. He says that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. According Now before wives are looking to knock off their husbands, <laughs> wait till we get to the end of the chapter. Verse 3, accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Verse 4, very important. Paul is trying to make a point here. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. Yeah, okay, good, great. What's that got to do with us, right? Well, Paul is using an analogy that some commentators have just taken far too far. Paul just wants to make a simple point. The simple point is this. When the, if you have a man and a woman who is married, that woman is obliged by a covenant and is obliged by a law to be under her husband. But if he passes away, she is now free. She's released from all of the obligations. Very, very important. She's released from all of the obligations under that first marriage. Paul goes on and says in verse 4, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law. Why? Through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. I remember when I was in the forestry, I remember planning a place called Ragged Jack, and it wasn't called Ragged Jack for no reason. It was ragged. But I remember we, we only planted certain sections of it, and we had to go back and fertilise it. And I can remember one side of the road, literally one side of the road, the trees were flourishing. Like they had gone gangbusters. And literally straight across the road, there wasn't a tree that was alive. Uh, and I, I'm racking my brains. We did soil tests in the end to find out what the problem was. The problem was the process that they had applied to the soil. But here's the point. The point is that on this side of the road, everything was dead. On this side of the road, everything was alive. And the difference was the soil. And what Paul is trying to highlight here is every single tree now is no longer in the law. You no longer... Uh, please God, you are no longer obliged to God according to a written code. 
or as we might say it today, religion. No, no, no. Paul says, you've been now taken out of that soil. Now you've been put into soil over here. And that soil is called in Christ. That's very important, as Paul is going to highlight, because everything, everything we wanted to do over here but didn't have the power to do, Paul says it's, it's already been done. So, so here's what the law does. The law introduces you to this glorious God. Then you step into what it is that you must do. <laughs> In Christ, you are introduced to this glorious God who loves us. And then you step into what has been done. Huge difference. And the reason it's so important to us today is many people exist in their Christian walk planted over here. It's all about what I do. I have to, I have to earn approval before God. If I just go to church enough, if I, if I just give enough money, if, I, if, if I'm just nice enough, surely it's all about what I get out of my life, all those bad things out of my life. Surely God will approve of me then. God already approves of you. The beautiful message of the gospel is we don't work towards approval. Everything we do now is from approval. That's the wonder of grace. Likewise, he says, you've died to the law. You've been taken out of this soil. And on the other side over here in Christ, not only is the soil different, the whole atmosphere is different. Now bearing fruit for God. It's just an organic process of abiding in the soil. What did Jesus say? John chapter 15. If you want to glorify God, you must bear much fruit. How do we bear fruit, Jesus? Abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, just stay in the soil. The reason that part is important is because as we work our way through the rest of Romans 7, there's going to be many of us here that are going to go, Paul, amen, I'm hearing you, brother. So let's see what Paul's got to say as we move on. Some questions were beginning to arouse. Verse 5 says, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law. Hang on to those three words. That's, that's a really interesting uh, statement by Paul, that the, the law aroused our sinful passions. Hang on to that one. We're working our members to bear fruit for death, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. That's why Romans 8 is enormously important. If you're sitting here this morning wondering to yourself, what does it look like to serve in the new way of the Spirit? Don't miss next week. Don't miss the week after. John Piper preached on John, John, uh, Romans chapter 8. Took him 12 months to get through Romans chapter 8. So bring your tents. I'm kidding. Verse 7, what, what then shall we say? Paul's still asking questions that he's answering himself. What then shall we say? The law is sin? Because now they're saying, well, the law is sinful. But the law has divine origins, so what's the problem? You're planted over here in this soil. This is still divine origins. God still ordained the law. Have a look at the people of Israel. There was a select handful of people that knew anything like closeness to God. The rest of them let, they, they kind of, it was all through the priests. That's all changed under Christ. Now we can all come close to God. But there are many that are saying, well, Paul, hang on a second. You're saying that the law aroused sin. 
Surely the law is a sinful... No, no, no. Let's see what Paul's got to say here. He says, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it was to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. Well, there's the answer, right? God, take the law back. If you take all of that back, then we're all good. What's, what's the purpose of the law? What, here's a question. Why not just send Jesus? Why send the law? Why mess about, apparently, God, for a couple of thousand years and give us this law, which we could never fulfil the, the commandments of this law? We can't uphold this. Why? Because it exposes sin. And Tim Keller says beautifully, until we understand the crisis of the human heart, the gospel has no glory. You walk outside this room today, what's the biggest challenge we face in Western society? Trying to convince people that sin actually exists. What Paul is saying here is, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. What's he saying? You know, basically, it sounds a little bit like this. You know, I was going along my merry way, coveting, and I had no idea that it was covetousness until somebody introduced the law. And now I realise something, that every, every time I covet, I'm committing a sin, and that's offensive to God. The law exposes sin in our lives. There's another thing that the law exposes. We are powerless in our own steam to save ourselves. Well, the law's death. The law brings death to us. It brings condemnation. Is that what happens, Paul? The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me, he says, for sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it it killed me. Verse 12, very important verse. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Well, Paul says the, the law is holy. It's got divine origins. What's the problem then? The human heart. That's the problem. You see, over here in this soil, the problem's not the soil. The problem's not where it came from. The problem's the tree. The gloriousness of being over here is all we have to do is step into what Christ has done. Augustine, I, I don't know who write, reads Augustine and I read sections of Augustine because it just fries my brain other than that. But he wrote a couple of books called his Confessions, and it's probably not what you think it is, but there was an interesting part in it which probably highlights a lot of what Paul's trying to say here. He remembers that in his youth he had a vineyard, and there was many youths there that had conspired because at the bottom of the vineyard there was a pear tree laden with fruit. And they conspired that in the middle of the night they would go down to this pear tree and shake every pear out of it and thieve the pears. Today, I mean, everyone's going, oh, big deal, right? But these guys go down, they shake off all the pears, and Augustine begins to examine his heart. And he says, why did we do it? Why was it so alluring to us? He says, because we didn't even eat the pears. We didn't even want the pears. If we'd have asked, we could have had one. Instead, they shake all the pears off the tree, they take it down to the pig yard and feed them all to the pigs. He says, but something was alive inside of me. 
You read two chapters in Confessions onwards and he refers back to that moment. And he says, what it was, was for a moment I was in control. For a moment I was God. For a moment I took whatever I wanted to take. For a moment no one told me what I could do and what I couldn't do. And that is sin. That is the law. We want to be our own gods. We live in a society today, relativism, if you look at the fundamentals of it, relativism is I will be my own god. I will dictate to myself what is true. I will dictate to myself what is right. Makes morality subjective, not objective. Paul says the law isn't death. The law highlights the rottenness of the human heart outside of Jesus Christ. Nobody wants that message today. C.S. Lewis helped me greatly. I mean, so many people say to me, how could your God send anybody to an eternity of separation? Well, God doesn't send anybody anywhere. C.S. Lewis highlights it beautifully when he says, the gates of hell are locked on the inside. We want to be our own God and we want to shut him out. The law highlights you're sinful. The law highlights you've got a problem before God and you can't fix it. We need God to fix it. The problem sounds a little bit like the next verses, starting in verse 13. Did that which is good then bring death to me? No means. Says Paul, it was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. What a statement. Let me see if these next words begin to resonate with anybody in this room. I mean, if you're super spiritual here this morning, I'm sure they won't. Verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And here's the pivotal, if you're reading through all of this, this is the absolute pivotal verse. This next part is pivotal to everything that Paul wants to highlight from this chapter and from the law. Verse 18 again, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. How many people this morning can give an amen to Paul on that one? I know I can. I have the desire to please God. I have the desire to do what is right, but I keep messing it up. Sounds a little bit like the Christian walk. So often people make the mistake that Christianity equals perfection. Many people in the world say, well, you you know, you Christians, you think you're perfect, you think you've got it all together. No, 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 no. Christianity is not defined by perfection. Christianity and the life of following Christ is defined by direction. I'm not perfect. I make plenty of mistakes. But my life is heading in a completely different direction now. That's... The difference. What hope do we have, friends? What hope is there possibly for any of us? How many of us are sitting here under a weight 
of uh, our own attitudes, perhaps, or our own actions that we keep slipping? What hope do we have to be free of these things? Well, there's great hope. Let's keep reading on. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. What I do not want is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Now, even Paul's like, I'm confused. Paul's like, I thought I had a system. Every, I, Paul says, according to the law, he was blameless. And here's a guy that says, what a wretched man I am. Paul goes on and uses the term, verse 23, but I see in my members another law, waging war. Ever feel like following Christ is like a constant battle? In fact, I'll almost make you a guarantee. If you make a heartfelt commitment that you're going to follow Christ, you've just entered the front lines. The enemy's got his arrows ready. If you're standing behind and you're in neutral territory and you're not really going either direction, the enemy's like, I'm not phased about you, man. But if you stand up and say, I'm going to follow Christ and I don't care what comes, get ready. War's about to happen. And there's an internal struggle and there's an internal war that happens inside of us. Jesus was aware of this. Jesus uh, makes it plain that we all need to make war on sin. You, You know those verses where he says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, before you get the chainsaw or the spoon, what was Jesus actually trying to say there? We cut our arms off? Listen, if that was the case, there'd be nothing but a head and a torso on me. I'd have cut my tongue out. I'd have have poked my eyes out. I'd have asked God to take my brain out. Did that anyway, right? (laughs) You were going to say it. (laughs) I said said it for you. (laughs) Now, what Jesus was saying is, Sin is very serious and we're all in a battle and whatever it is in your life that is causing you to sin, hack it out of your life. Let me give you an example, something that's sweeping the church today. If pornography is something that is a problem for you, go home, sell your computer and disconnect the internet. Why? Because if you don't have a computer and you don't have the internet, you don't have the possibility. If you have a problem with gossip... Stop going to the cafe with all the old ducks. (laughs) And Terry. (laughs) And if you send your pastor those emails, I'll change my email address. (laughs) I don't get those emails. I'm only kidding. What Jesus was saying was we all need to wage war on sin. Why? Because it's the one thing that will separate you and keep you away from the presence of God. Have a listen to how Paul finishes this chapter. We've just read probably most of the, the most confusing words in the book of Romans. Paul, what on earth are you talking about? But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am. Every single person here is a wretched man or woman. 
What hope do we have? Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Paul knew there was an internal struggle. Paul knew that in his flesh, he had no hope of pleasing God. He was always going to make those mistakes. He was always going to run headlong into condemnation. That's why Romans chapter 8 starts really, really importantly. Let, let me give you a taste. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, thank God for that. That's a taste of Romans 8. What a way to start a chapter, hey? There is, now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How can you say that, Paul? Because the hope that we have to be free from all of this religiosity is Jesus. Anybody here ever watch that movie Space Jam? Deeply theological movie. Right? But, but in the movie Space Jam, uh, it, it depicts these aliens that come down, they want to have a basketball match and they can't play basketball. Now, I wasn't much of a basketballer and I wasn't much of a footballer. It's all right, no one can hear. Yeah, fisherman I am. <laughs> you notice most of the disciples were fishermen, Terry. Yeah, they're really holy ones anyway. But anyway, these four aliens come down. They can't play basketball, so they do something really silly. They, they, they target the best basketball players and they steal their ability. Something amazing happens. These aliens, which look pretty much like my kids, <laughs> they're not in the room, they'll hear it. These aliens, which look pretty much like my kids, all of a sudden they have an ability that is outside of themselves. All of a sudden they're shooting. But something else happened. All those basketballers are running out on the court and they have all of the desire and they have all of the, uh, I, I want to play basketball, but they're running around without any ability. And those basketballers so often look like us. Not that we're dumb. It's for pastors only. What? Sorry, Terry. <laughs> and Liz isn't here, so she won't know. What it is is we're running around because we're trying to do everything in our own strength. We have the desi- an inward desire to please God and we're trying to do everything in our own strength and in our own power when what we need to do is take somebody else's ability and to step into what he has done. Time for us all to lose our ability. Time for us to break the law. Now, does that mean that we never read the Old Testament? The Old Testament is fantastic. The Ten Commandments are awesome. They still apply to us today. You still have to adhere to those Ten Commandments, by the way. Where's my children? Only your father and mother's on there, by the way. Wretched man that I am, the beauty of the gospel is this. The law exposes that every single one of us are wretched men. That was was what the law did. That's why the law came. The law was introduced to expose the fact that every single person is actually wretched outside of Christ. We want to be our own God. We want to be in control. We want to do everything our own way and set up our own throne. The message of the gospel is you need to change who sits on your throne. And you no longer have to try and please God in your own strength. You can step into what Christ has done. And now everything you do is from approval. That's grace. 
when we understand grace, when we understand the unmerited favour of God, it compels us. Grace is nothing new. Faith and grace, having a relationship with God, is nothing new. Genesis chapter 7 tells me that Noah found favour or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Paul highlighted back in chapters 4 and 5 that it was always by faith when it came to Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Not Abraham did this, 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 this and this and then he was in right standing with God. No, 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 he believed God. And he stepped into a relationship with God. I look forward to Romans chapter 8. Why? Because it highlights what it is to serve in the spirit. We have a new power to overcome those problems in our lives. We have a new power to break the chains that bind us. All of us have had chains. All of us probably have chains. All of us struggle. All of us are engaged in a battle. But I look forward to Romans chapter 8. Let's pray. We are so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for the completed work of Christ upon the cross. We're so thankful that you have set us free. I am so thankful for Romans 8, chapter verse 1, that says, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Thank you that every wretched man and woman has no more condemnation because of the completed work of Christ. Father, I pray that every person in this room would lay down their arms and surrender. I pray, Lord God, that you would disarm me. And Lord God, let us step into the liberty that is found in the Spirit, I pray. Father, I pray that you would keep every one of us. I pray, Lord God, that, that affections for Jesus would be stirred in our hearts. I ask that your word would continue to cement a foundation in our hearts and in our lives a foundation of serving you, Lord God, not in our own ability, but in the completed work of the one who satisfied the full requirements of the law. Jesus, you are our Lord. Jesus, you are our King. Jesus, we ask you to come and sit on the throne of our lives. Thank you. In your Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.